So, Eric. Yes, Bill. They say we know more about the space surrounding our planet and that little orbiting body that we call the moon than we know about the depths of our oceans. Indeed. We've talked about that great super predator, the Megalodon, before. One of your all-time favorites. We've talked about lake monsters. We've talked about river monsters. We like monsters. We love monsters. I love monsters. But one of the last great unknowns is the oceans of our planet. You know, the, the very depths that we can descend to could kill us in a heartbeat. Just, just being there, let alone the creatures which might roam the ocean with, with whatever intent they may have. Out of our grasp. Whether they be giant turtles, giant snake-like beasts, giant tentacled monstrosities, or holdover creatures from prehistory. I think we're going to talk about some sea monsters. Let's dive in. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So if you want to go back to one of the original monsters of the ocean, we're going to talk about the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Yeah. Well, Kraken, 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 Kraken. I think we're going to argue about how to pronounce that. So we'll just, I'll say Kraken, you say Kraken. And I like it. We, somebody's we, going to get it right. We cover it. <laughs> the Kraken is described in Scandinavian stories dating back as far as 1180 AD. You know, this is a monster with some, some longevity in its tail. I was described as a giant squid or octopus-like creature with limbs so large they could be mistaken for islands. Whoa. So that's a big, that's a big monster. Uh, some could even say potentially, you know, origins of the Jormungundr world serpent legend that thrashes in the ocean. Now, for me, I, I think it's pretty safe to say a creature like the Kraken, you're going to, there's probably some sort of giant squid. We know giant squids Yeah, exist. we know that exists. They've washed up on shore. So to talk a little bit about the giant squid, it has the largest eyes of any living creature on the planet. Its eyes can be the size of a human head. They're big. It has a sharp parrot-like beak, which was the first piece of evidence that ever suggested that the giant squid existed. In 1853, the remains of a giant squid were washed up on the beach in Denmark. Now, as any good fishing community would do, they immediately cut up said remains for bait. <laughs> but you had this one piece that you couldn't cut up, which was the beak they, well, they, they kept. Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but that's literally like one of the only bones, cartilage that's, that's yeah. in it. So, I mean, that's all well, they that have, would they have exist. The beak. Or be they left. have what they call a pin, which is sort of a, a bony-like structure that sort of help, helps provide a little bit of structure to their body. If I remember correctly about my squid biology, which I dissected one in high school. That's so been that's a day. been a year or two. It's been a day. And then, and then some varieties have little claw-like deals in their suction cups on their tentacles. Gotcha. So there, there, there are certain things that might be left over to identify them. Uh, but anyway, the, these, these folks in Denmark, they saved the beak, which led to the eventual recognition of the Architeuthis variety of squid in 1857. Uh, what we call the giant squid would be Ar Architeuthis dux, 
or ducks, however you would say it. I would say dukes. Now they are rarely seen. uh, Sightings usually involve dead or dying specimens. The, The fact of the matter is, is a giant squid cannot get enough oxygen in the upper levels of the ocean to survive. So if you see one, obviously something's gone distress. wrong for that squid. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, sperm whales have been seen with giant sucker scars on them. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they've done battle with these giant squids. And, you know, if you know much about sperm whales, you know that one of their primary sources of food is squid. Mm-hmm. Now, Might have literally bit off more yeah. than they can chew. <laughs> yeah, every now and then they get one that's just a little bit big. Now, a complete specimen was caught by fishermen near New Zealand in 1997. As far as my stories go, New Zealand comes up a lot. New, New, the oceans around New Zealand, when they draw the little the monsters on the map, that's where those monsters are at in, in my stories. And you say he caught one? It was caught by fishermen. Okay. But not by a fisherman. Okay. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, they, they hey, the put, bobber went down. I'm trying to reel it in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they put it on ice and they shipped it to the American Museum of Natural History in New York. This specimen grew up to 25 feet and the scientists there were like, that, that's nothing. He's a baby. This isn't even large by giant squid standards. They can grow as far as, as large as 70 feet. Uh, I was going to say 70, 75 feet. Now, giant squid are not even known to be the largest type of squid. There's actually bigger versions. So when you talk about the giant squid, and then you think, boy, they're bigger than that. There's always a bigger fish. Larger species have been known since 1925. A fisherman, singular this time. Singular. Hauled one up in 2007 near New Zealand. There's New Zealand again. I, I look, would not look, get look. in the ocean in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> they dubbed this one the Colossal Squid, and they believe it to be the largest living creature without a backbone. They classify this one, and I'm going to screw this up, Mezzani Cthuthis Hamiltoni. And they say it outweighs all eight of the giant squid species that we know about. Big guy. So this is a monstrous beast. And when you see the, the, the depictions of the, the creature coming out of the ocean, the tentacles coming up and grabbing the ship, the I ship, mean, yeah, big galley ship, that could be room. a squid. Yeah, Let's I not mean, argue that. Those galley ships on, uh, by tradition are at least a hundred foot. I mean, those, those are big ships. Now do giant squids attack ships? We can get into that a little bit later. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say at the bottom looking up, that might resemble a whale. Yeah. So. I mean, we know that these monsters exist. There's been video footage. Uh, it was on Discovery Channel. There was a whole documentary about it. And, and they even said even then that like, oh, no, these are small compared to what we know exists. You get down deep. Who knows how big they might really get? Yeah. I mean, the, what's the name of the big fault that's at the bottom of the ocean? Uh, the Marianas uh, Trench. Yeah, the Marianas Trench, like where the Meg supposedly is filmed and all this. We're just now in technology getting to a point to make like, some unmanned, some manned submarines to be able to go that deep. So yeah, who knows what lies down there? I believe you were going to tell us about a, you're going to jump in here every now and then and tell us about a couple of these beasts that might be out there. Again, as, as we've shared, you know, Bill and I don't get together. We don't compare notes. So I would just kind of went through and I wanted to focus more on little tidbits of, of again, monsters we know existed. We have found remnants of them. And I'm going to butcher some of these names, so <laughs> I'll just I'll say that. The first one I wanted to share is um, a Mosasaurus. Now, imagine, if you will, it's a lizard with fins uh, instead of legs and a flat tail. This goes back to about 145 million years ago. Would you, would you say it was crocodilian? Yes. And, and 
you might remember in the original Jurassic World movie, aerial view, there was this kind of shadowy creature swimming in the pool. The one they, they fed the kind great white like sea world. Exactly. And they had this great white shark kind of dangling and it was kind of an aerial view and you saw this big shadow of this alligator looking-esque and it comes up out of the water and just takes that great white like it's nothing. That is exactly the Mosasaurus that, that I'm talking about. This thing was gigantic, even larger than the more well-known Megalodon, which I'm going to refer to several times tonight, just in honor of Bill. <laughs> As a matter of fact, this creature is theorized to have eaten Megalodon and giant squid as its main food agenda. Contrary to the name Saurus, which is dino, it was not a dinosaur at all, but it was simply a reptile uh, with descendants that come into our time frame as nothing more than lizards and snakes. So it was not a dinosaur. It was a reptile. Another one is a Sarca Sochus. Again, probably I'm butchering these. Now, um, I, I'm familiar with that name. I would say Sarcosuchus. Sarcosuchus. But I can't be, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to correct you. No, I don't no, know which no, one's no. right. No. We'll say it both ways and we're covered. <laughs> we're covered. Uh, this is another kind of giant crocodile creature with a weird horned hook nose going back 122 million years ago, uh, believed to be an ancestor of the alligator or crocodile. This thing could swim through waters at extremely high speeds and was equally as fast on land. So here we have a hunter, a, a, a killer that could hunt equally in water or or on the land. You know, what's, what's not to love? A third one I'll share is a helicoprin. About a 16 to 25 foot long is, shark. Is this the one that has the weird, like, circular saw? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've seen pictures of this. Imagine this thing is, like, straight up trippy. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, an upright single row of lower teeth resembling, I'll describe it as a table saw. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. How, how does... Anything, how does that work? How do you... How does evolution <laughs> get you to that point that this is the best you can be? Right, right. This saw blade, table saw looking type mouth was deadly, uh, similar to another shark known as a saw blade shark. However, its mouth resembled more of a crocker, an alligator, long kind of snoot, if you will, and then in the blade. The helicopteran still baffles scientists to this day on exactly how it would work or even eat. And its face was more of that of like a traditional shark. But yeah, what, what? mad scientist twisted genealogist or, you know came up with this kind of stuff and then you'd already touched on the kraken or kraken so i'll let you take it away from there well, one of my let's say favorite original stories that got me in, interested in these kinds of things is the story of the zuyu <laughs> we're gonna butcher these names the, it's a japanese name okay so, the story of the zuyu maru carcass uh now on, on april 25th 1977 the Japanese fishing trawler Zuyumaru dredged up a hulking body about 30 miles off the, the coast east of Christchurch, New Zealand. New Zealand. This place is plagued with monsters. Here, I just thought it was a great filming for movie backdrops. Yeah. No, it's, a, yeah, beautiful. Lord of the Rings and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. Still, yeah. Don't apparent, go near the yeah, water. Don't get in the water. <laughs> now, they dredged this thing up from a depth of about 900 feet. This corpse reportedly weighed about 4,000 pounds. It was wow. about 30 feet long. Obviously, it smelled horrifically. It was just <laughs> god-awful. It was uh, this, this rotting corpse they had dredged up from the depths of the ocean. Uh, many aboard considered it to be an ill omen. Right. Now, in shape, the body resembled a decomposing plesiosaur. If 
you're unfamiliar with what that would look like, you can imagine the the Loch Ness monster, right. the dinosaur like body, long long neck, small head, big probably fins. the second most recognizable dinosaur to the T Rex. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> now they did take pictures of it. There are pictures on the internet if you want to look at it. Be forewarned, it's a decomposing corpse. They just it's very disgusting to look at. Now, despite the fact they thought they had somehow dredged up an unknown creature, Captain Akira Tanaka was like, no, nah, chuck that overboard. We're not, we're not. We don't want that He thing. did not want to spoil their catch, which makes sense. That's how they make their living. That's so how they make their you living. You got a corpse. You don't want to do that. Now, some claim the body was that of a decomposing uh, basking shark. Now, I've seen some artist renditions of like, you know, the steps of decomposition and how maybe this particular body may have looked like that. I do understand that. But there's some doubt about that conclusion. Now, some people that have looked into it. The body was whitish and covered with dermal fibers like those found in whales and mammals. Gotcha. So already you've got some kind of discrepancy here. There was reddish muscle tissue visible beneath the white fatty tissues. Basking sharks do not have red meat or white fat. So they're not a red, like, yeah. strike. imagine like tuna. Strike. Yeah. And, and even tuna meat, like we see tuna as pink. That is treated. Tuna meat is kind of normally almost a grayish color. And I've had shark. Shark is kind of a pinkish color, but not red, not a vibrant red. Now, some people say it could have been remaining blood in the body. But if you're already to this point of decay, do you have that much blood Blood left left in you? Yeah. Yeah. Now, they said the rotting stench was more akin to that of what whales smell like as opposed to sharks. I guess if you're out at sea, you what know the difference. What a horrible job that you could distinguish well, yeah, those yeah. smells. But uh, I guess if you're a... You're, That's what you do. Yeah, you're seagoing folks. You know the difference between the smell of one and the other. Hey, come over and stick your head over. What's it smell like? <laughs> now, this, the head was said to have been a hard skull, not shark-like. Now, if you're familiar with sharks, they're cartilaginous fish. Right. They're, their skeleton is primarily cartilage. That's why we only find shark teeth. And cartilage is not as tough as bone. So obviously, if it was a hard, you know knock on the skull, then then it's a little bit different from a shark skull. Now, some, some again, some researchers say that the cartilage in a shark skull does tend to get thicker and harder than that in the rest of its body. So there were uh, visible nostrils located at the front end of the cranium. If you look at where a shark's nostrils typically are in relation to its head, they're not towards the front of the cranium, but more towards the uh, the lower surface towards the middle. So the nostrils were not in the right this place. This is not to be sounding a like a shark, shark to me. I'm no expert, but yeah, this there's several strikes here against the whole shark debate. Well, we have some some notable experts here. Uh, Takio Shikama, paleontology professor at Yokohama National University, absolutely convinced that these is the, the this is the remains of a plesiosaur or some sort of like aquatic dinosaur. Uh, Doctor Fujiro Yasuda from Tokyo University of Marine Science and Technology, he agrees with Shikama. Uh, says that the photos absolutely show the remains of a prehistoric animal. And then there's a Bill Cooper, and I'm not sure what his bona fides are. He noticed that in the pictures, there's a cable being bent by the shoulder bone of this creature. Sharks being cartilaginous and having a weaker skeleton would flex. simply would not have the, the bone would not have the rigidity. Yeah. These are big, heavy metal cables. I mean, yeah. this is dredging, yeah. you know, tons of fish out of the ocean. Uh, shark bones would not have been able to bend that cable. It would have been the other way around. And then also the corpse lacks a defined dorsal fin, which, you know, if you've ever seen Jaws or any other shark movie, that's, tell sign. that's an indicator. Now, of course, the argument being that the, the dorsal fin has long since rotted away, right. but there's no evidence of this creature having Haters a dorsal gonna fin. Haters going to hate. Uh, it clearly has four paddle-like appendages. It has that. 
uh, sort of longer neck, that body shape common in the plesiosaur profile. Uh, again, I mean, this is, this is one of those stories where you see this picture, you see this picture, you see a rotting dinosaur. Right, right. Could it be the basking shark? I mean, basking sharks are very, very large. I think they grew up to like 30 something feet. They saw one off the coast of New England not that long ago and thought they had a megalodon swimming around. So, you know what I mean? Like it is a big shark, but you know, this, the, in this story, the facts don't seem to add that up. And I would argue I mean, you've probably seen the picture at some point yes. if you're into these kinds of things, too. And it is quite disturbing. I mean, it, it, as it, Bill it, said, it's a it rotting corpse. But it don't look like a shark. I don't know what it looks like, but yeah, it, it tends to look more like a dinosaur to me than it does a shark. Well, if you got a couple more creatures you want to tell us about. Well, definitely, I think if we're going to talk about you know, large creatures of the deep, we have to talk about the blue whale. Uh, it is the largest mammal on the entire Earth, at least 90 foot in length, some you know, speculate, uh, you know, hundred, hundred, over a hundred feet long. Just to put that in perspective, the Megalodon, uh, average is 55 to 60. So, you know, we're, we're pushing twice that size. Blue whales prefer to swim in pods or groups. You know, there's always safety in numbers, uh, but now endangered new due to whaling vessels and illegal harvesting. Uh, one of the last documented and living sea monsters, absolutely. That's still out there today, you know, obviously would be this blue whale. Uh, as if uh, one would not be terrifying enough to come across. Remember, they travel in packs or, or pods as, as whales do. So, yeah, you're out there in this this boat. And, you know, even a large size vessel, up to a hundred foot large whale with friends comes and starts surrounding. That, that would be pretty, pretty petrifying and scary to me. And then one of my favorites uh, I had to talk about is the Godzilla shark. The what? The Godzilla shark. Oh, I didn't stutter. I didn't stutter. You heard I, me okay. right. I've, I got you. Unless, Hook. unless this is something. I've, I've never heard of a Godzilla shark. Okay. What a cool name, obviously. <laughs> uh, it's a brown skin with kind of tiger spots. Uh, the name was derived in context when its skeletal remains were first discovered in what is now a desert. Uh, at the time, it was one of the largest sharks found. And the, the gentleman who discovered it uh, was apparently a Godzilla monster fan, so voila. So th this is a prehistoric. Yes. Okay, this yes. isn't something still yes. out there. He, or maybe. 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 Megalodons could still be out there, buddy. Calm down. Uh, the creature presented 12 rows of sharp teeth, a robust jaws with two fins that would also propel it quickly through the water. Sadly, to your point of why I've never heard of the Godzilla shark. Sadly, the Godzilla shark was later renamed as the Hoffman's Dragon Shark. While it does have the name Dragon, yeah. it still doesn't hold that, you know, pull me down the rabbit hole as the <laughs> Godzilla shark. So you can see why it, it caught my attention. Well, the Dragon Shark is still sad and kind of a, a, dragon kind of a shark. badass name. You know, Hoffman's Dragon Shark. It's like Pete the Magic Dragon Shark. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of loses a little luster. Next, of course, the Leviathan or as it's proper, is Le Veathan Melville, I believe. Oh, um, I I read about that just the other day. They called it the Dire Whale. Yes, yep. And if you're familiar one. with D&D terms, you've oh, got yeah, your regular monster, wolf. and then you've got your Dire Monster. Yep, yep. A giant, unrivaled sea monster. Uh, the, the name was later dubbed simply Leviathan, because simply it was easier to refer to. It's even mentioned in the Bible that, uh, you know, no one could kill it except for God himself. Uh, if you want to get biblical, an unequaled killer, not a dinosaur, 
not a serpent, as the Bible refers to, but rather a species of whale, once again. Sort of reminiscent of a sperm whale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, known to be about 50 foot long, uh, about 50 tons uh, in weight. And it is said to have lived in the same time and the waters as Bill's favorite uh, goldfish called the Megalodon. So, you know, who spends more time at sea than those uh, folks in the military, the Navy especially? So I've got a... a Couple of shout out to the Navy. Three sightings here from uh, military personnel. The first is what we what is referred to as the UB eighty five creature. This is April thirtieth. Sounds like a good rock band. (laughs) April thirtieth, nineteen eighteen. Captain Gunther Kreck and crew captured by the British British warship HMS Coriopsis. Uh, They were taken on board, and while being questioned, the captain and his crew swore that their ship had been attacked by a monster. The, the, of course, is a submarine, a U-boat. The I, monster, I saw the story as well. Very interesting. The monster had horns, small deep-set eyes, and masses of monstrous teeth. Uh, as they were surfaced, the creature climbed on board, which caused the entire vessel to tilt. So this is a pretty substantial beast. <laughs> wow. It climbs on board. It attacks their forward gun, biting chunks out of it. Wow. Biting chunks out of biting the gun. Biting chunks. Uh, the crew, of course, was forced to abandon ship, and they scuttled the boat which in nautical terms means they sank it themselves. Now think of that horror. Abandoned ship. We're going to jump out in the water where this thing's yeah. at. Yes. And uh, and they surrendered to British forces. Now, later stories indicate that maybe something else had happened and that uh, Captain Crack and his crew had, had sunk the boat for their own reasons. Maybe negligence. Maybe they had damaged <laughs> the ship themselves somehow. And it sounded much better to tell the British that they were attacked by a monster than to admit they were it, just not good it is sailors. truly horrible to drink and drive, but it is worse <laughs> to drink and drive a submarine. Uh, next, we have the U-28 creature. Again, another report from a U-boat. This is a couple years before. Uh, this comes directly from the log of Commander Freiherr George G. von Forstner. Just German military That's titles. I've said this before. That's a mouthful. Yeah, he was captain of the U-boat U-28. On July 30th, 1915, his ship torpedoed British the British steamer Iberian. The ship sank so fast at one point that the bow was almost pointed straight up in the air as it went down. Uh, moments later, it slipped below the waves, and it was underwater for about 25 seconds when there was a violent explosion, which many assume was from the boilers taking on water and exploding. Right. Pretty typical. Yeah, we talked about that, I think, with the Titanic. Titanic. This explosion shot debris to a height of about 80 feet out of the water, including a gigantic sea creature of some kind. Oh, wow. Uh, the German crew were on the conning tower, and they actually saw this beast blasted into the air. It was writhing and struggling to swim among the debris of the Iberian. All agreed that it had to be some sort of aquatic crocodile. It was about 60 feet long, four limbs like webbed feet, so paddle-like limbs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a long pointed tail, and a head which tapered to a point. Sounds like something we may have talked about just moments ago. Yeah, uh, The animal sank after about 10 or 15 seconds, never to be seen again. And this is, again, this is all taken from the log this, of the, the commander. This poor endangered species is just swimming down below. It sees <laughs> like this possible whale or Potential, something. Yeah, I mean, just clearly kind of there's dying, something in distress. Sinking. I'm going to go up and have a quick little bite. Boom, blown 80 foot up <laughs> in the air. Wow. Talk about a bad day. And finally, we'll talk about the USS Stein monster. The USS Stein was a Knox-class destroyer escort ship in the Navy, U.S. Navy. 
1978, it encountered something large and unseen in the water after leaving port in California. Suddenly began to experience several technical issues, including a failure of the sonar system. Uh, without the ability to use sonar, this, this ship was essentially useless. And so the captain, you know, ordered them to return immediately blind, to port blind. in California, where they entered dry dock to repair any damages they had encountered. Incurred, I should say. While in dry dock, technicians found there no foul rubber coating on the sonar dome was damaged. Now, when I say no foul, this stuff is designed to be hard and durable and not this easily is, damaged. This is a warship. Yeah. This, this coating, it's, it's rubber, but it, it's incredibly hard and durable. That's the point. It's no foul. Uh, something would have to have unbelievable strength to pierce or cut or tear it in any way. About 8% of the total area was damaged. It doesn't sound like much, but when you consider how durable it's supposed to be, that's still an achievement. Uh, almost all the cuts contain remnants of curved claws. Hmm. Now, remember I talked about the rims of a squid's suction cups. Mm -hmm. They were reminiscent of, of, of a squid attack. However, when you took comparisons of these little claws and that they found in the dome, and I say little, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> and you compare them against what we know about as squid morphology today, these were much larger than anything that we knew existed at the time. This creature would have had to have been at least 150 feet long. That's big. That's big. That's now, big. Now, uh, we talk about squid varieties, and it turns out that there's a squid that we believe is even larger than that. That's only half the length of what scientists are now calling today the Toothis Rex. So if you're familiar with giant squid naming, Architoothis is giant squid. Mm -hmm. Toothis Rex, you know. We're dialing it up now. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 this is like the king of the squids. Yeah, they, whatever it was that, that tore into that coating had to be ridiculously strong. So. All right. Well, I've got some worth mentioning, and we're going to call them weirdos. <laughs> The first weirdo uh, is uh, referred to as a Tanis Aphirus. Imagine, if you would, a lizard-like creature. Now crossbreed that with lovable Nessie and a Velociraptor with a python snake neck. That is weird. And, and I will say, I thought one of the ones I was going to talk about strange, but that one is, that one's even That's worse. That's why it made it to the weirdo list. Its neck was two to three times longer than its entire body. It could travel on land or at sea. When it entered the water, it used its very strong lizard-like feet uh, to run across the bottom of the sea, propelling it along. Now, is this like in the fossil record? Is this a yes. documented thing? This, okay, so these, this isn't folklore. Everything is... I am sharing is documented. We have some form of archaeological remnants, uh, knowing that at least it did exist at one time. Its long, outstretched neck literally looks like a snake. If you were in the water, you would think this was just a huge snake because its neck is two to three times longer than its body, which allowed it to sneak in and around coral and rocks to find its victims, not making any sound because, of course, the neck is just propelled in the water. Its legs and everything are way back there, uh, making it a silent and deadly killer. Uh, what on earth? Earth of evolution process <laughs> thought of this. I have no idea. Second of the weirdos that I wanted to share is called an Adestus shark. Another weirdo. Imagine a gray white like shark in the markings and coloration, but with a unique scissor like mouth, upper and lower, just like a pair of scissors, 
and, and all through tonight, Bill and I have been using our hands. I'm sure you guys can appreciate that, you know, trying to simulate this. But a, a pair of scissors with a sharp row of top teeth and bottom teeth that perfectly met in a single row. This unique design allowed the Edestus to cut its victims in half and bite off pieces cleanly and neatly, unlike the more ravishing shark attacks where it's, you know, jagged edges and, and shakes. Now, this thing would just come up and just choop, and just cut off a, a limb or half the, the fish in half. I mean, as if sharks aren't scary enough. Yeah, whoa. Let, let's arm them with other weapons of some kind. Yeah, this is like mad scientist stuff. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Then, of course... Probably most familiar of the weirdos is the deep sea anglerfish. Um, you know, another weirdo, obviously, but uh, straight out of a sci-fi nightmare. This crazy thing is a giant fish that has this bright, glowing, hook-torn thingy kind of dangling from its forehead. Uh, not to mention the twisted and crooked rows of teeth that this dangly light would lure you into its mouth. Also known appropriately as the devil fish. And also an interesting tidbit, male and females, when they would mate, literally fuse themselves one to another. Yeah. Creepy. And, and I saw, you know, when you see it on TV or you see it in, in popular culture references, they usually don't look that big. But apparently they are very, very large. They can get very large. And when large. you see the face on those things, it's just like these giant teeth that interlock and just. And they're ugh. like, they look all crooked and angled and jagged. But yeah, they close and just. Woof, yeah. Like, yeah, that's the it's last insane. thing you remember seeing. My next weirdo is the lion mane jellyfish. Now you think. Okay. Yeah. It may, some may <laughs> agree, disagree. Why, why a jellyfish? Now, is this one of those giant jellyfish? Yes. Uh, it, it's because, is it because it has super scary, potent poison? <laughs> Why? Yes. That's one of the things. It doesn't help. <laughs> but not only that, is it because it's one of the largest, if not the largest of all jellyfish? Why? Yes. Yes. As much as nine feet for the bell or the main part of the, of the body. Uh, but also because it has long flowing tentacles. Some can grow as long as 120 feet long off of this nine foot body, 120 foot like streaming yarn, pieces of yarn in the ocean. Now, these long dangly tentacles can, like I said, number up into the thousands. Uh, usually they're in clusters of about 100, 150 of them. And guess what? They shed these as they just kind of swim along their merry way. And they can still sting you or poison you or anything that crosses their path, even as they drift away. I was going to assume they're probably still dangerous even when they're not attached. They can worship on the beach. Uh, you Gosh. can walk on them barefoot, fish that swim through them. Uh, yeah, this this is a crazy sea monster that doesn't even have to be near you to get you. <laughs> uh, so that's why it made my list. And lastly, on my weirdo list is the uh, beloved Atlantic wolf fish. Uh, another strange, spectacular creature. Imagine, if you will, a plump, blue-skinned version of a giant tadpole. But let us not forget the name Wolf that is in there. This thing will confront you or anything that comes near it head-on, face-to-face with super aggression. And then it will blow up its gills and spiked-looking fins, flaring its gnarled-looking teeth at you. It's also known as the devil fish or a wolf eel. Due to the longer body that it resembles that of an eel. Is it, is it a coincidence that a lot of these are called devilfish? Devilfish, <laughs> devilfish, devilfish, yeah. It will swim backwards just as often as it will swim forwards, very gracefully. It is known to kind of 
find an underground cave under a bluff rock or whatever, and it'll back right up into that area and just wait for its prey to come out. And then in a millisecond, it just darts out, grabs its prey, and then just pulls it back up to, to eat another day. Uh, these things can grow up to about six foot in length uh, and weigh around 50 pounds. So yeah, guess what? That lone fisherman could actually get one of those and possibly land it. Not sure that you'd want to, or what you maybe just throw your whole reel and rod in. I don't know. Uh, to be honest, it's not the most attractive of eel or, or fish. Somewhat homely looking. Uh, I'll just say downright uh, fugly. Uh, but yeah, this thing uh, will just back itself away in a little cave and wait for you to swim by and chomp and it's all over and then just kind of pull you back. So uh, that that's the last of my weirdos list. Bill, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Well, I have a couple of uh, more folklorish type creatures here that are they real? Are they not? Potentially. Uh, the first, this is one of my more favorite, you know, potential creatures is the Luska. The Luska. It's a creature of Caribbean folklore said to live in the blue holes near Andros, which is an island in the Bahamas. Now, for those of you that don't know, a blue hole is a large marine cavern or, or sinkhole. And they get their name because, you know, the deep water is, is blue. And, and so you have a lot of beachside, you know, that, that's that lighter color. And then all of a sudden, just blue, just deep, deep blue ocean. And these are believed at least mostly to attach somewhere under the ground to the ocean. Am, am well, a I, lot of these are, yeah, they, they would attach to the ocean in some capacity. Like I said, it's part of the island. The Luska has many descriptions. Uh, just sometimes it's described as a giant octopus, a giant cuttlefish, half dragon, half octopus. I think the most common depiction that I ran into was half shark, half octopus. That's so, an interesting cross. Yeah, there. imagine if you will, the front half, great white shark, and then behind where the gills are disappear, then that's like a giant octopus body back there. That's actually straight out of Dungeons and Dragons. There's there's a creature in, in one of the monster there. manuals, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, some are said to grow to over 75 feet long. Wow. That's big. There's no documented species in this region that grows to that size, however. So could it be a misidentification of existing species? Probably not. Nothing in that area gets that big. The closest thing we would have to any documented sightings, we have a couple on November 30th, 1896, the St. Augustine, Florida Globster. And if you don't know what a Globster is. That's a candy, isn't it? Globsters that you get in a small box. This, this is nothing you Oh, not, not that. Okay. No, the, these Globsters will occasionally wash up That's on a shore. Globster or something. Yeah. And uh, they're basically just a big mass of decaying flesh. Yeah, I wouldn't want to check that. Yeah, they just kind of wash up, and sometimes they can be pretty big. Usually, it's the remains of a dying of a dead whale, or sometimes a, a squid or, or octopus. octopus. Yeah, this the in the Saint Augustine incident, this body measured eighteen feet in length, seven feet in width, and weighed an estimated five tons. Uh, an expert at the time estimated that had it been a living creature, it would have been, it would have had a girth of 25 feet and tentacles as much as 72 feet in length. Dang. So that's a big, big tentacled beast. Uh, in January 18th, 2011, the body of a giant octopus washed ashore down in, in that region. Uh, and this seemed to be only a portion of the head and mouth parts of the creature. So it wasn't, it wasn't a complete specimen. Locals estimated that a creature complete of that size would have been 20 to 30 feet, which is again, larger than anything they have in the region. I was actually in, in some of my little bit of time off. I love to go on YouTube and, and discovery channel 
the monster you were talking about, I do remember there was a story in the Bahamas and there was a film crew that uh, had went to one of these inland caves that you were talking about, the Blue Hole. And um, they stated that they were there to film and they just wanted to see the aquatic life that existed in this. And that was to my point, my question that these are all supposed to kind of connect up to the ocean. They had been there for uh, over a week, various different days going down and scuba diving and filming until one day nobody came back and it was a small group three or four memory serves me correctly but uh they kind of developed a relationship with some other locals around so the locals noticed that hey they didn't come to town for a day or two days so it it caused a little search party uh they went to the site and they found um you know typical like little camp everything was set up they had obviously been there uh cameras and stuff you know not stuff that they would have just left no sign of any remnants of living or dead, you know, yeah. uh, up in, in, in there. But they did send some divers down, thinking that obviously they had went down and possibly got sucked out or drowned. They found shredded clothing, scuba diving outfit, and collapsed air tanks Wow! that they pulled out. And in, I believe it was in one of the scuba tanks, there was actually a claw like that uh, was reminiscent of you yeah. know, a, a, a giant squid. And of course, you know, you could speculate, well, something happened. They got pulled out and just beat the heck out of, and it shredded all their outfits. But obviously with that little tooth thing, whatever you want to say, the story kind of blew up that, you know, there was a creature that's living there and obviously it feasted upon every one of them. I, I did see some references to that story. So, and it was, it was laid out. You believe what you want to believe, but I mean, it, it seemed pretty presentable some people argued that that was part of the staging to help promote this show but the point is the show never came out so there's that yeah well finally i'm going to talk about the ningen now this is a a creature from japanese folklore which is an aquatic humanoid whale-like creature uh the videos and, and stuff that i've seen depict them as sort of slow moving and docile so um and again the videos are I'm trying to wrap my mind around a human whale crossbreed kind of thing. Well, the idea is uh, sort of similar in, in, in build to a human in a way. It has a face, like like a humanoid type face. Uh, the front limbs are, are usually long and like and they do have a hand-like structure, but it's like a webbed hand. Uh, they would have like a mermaid tail instead of legs to propel itself through the water. They're typically pale white, kind of blubbery skin. Now, what scale is this? Like humanoid, like, is this like a small whale or is this like a whale whale? 60 to 90 feet in length, potentially. Okay. So we're going to take, it is humanoid, but giant human crossbreed whale. Okay. The the mouth is is large and slit-like. And then uh, the the eyes are always described as gaping, whether they be small or large. Said to mainly inhabit the icy waters of the Antarctic. Well, at least it's not New Zealand. Yeah. Well, not around New Zealand. Yeah. (laughs) They have enough monsters. Uh, most sightings occur at night. Now, there are some anecdotes about sightings of the creature. One story tells of a ship seeing what they thought was a surface submarine off the coast of Antarctica. And as they approached the submarine to see if it was in distress, it sort of twisted and moved in a very biological manner and dove under the water. Just doing the back float here. Uh, 2005, uh, Google Earth captures what looks like a Ningen off the Namibian coast. Now, some people will say it was a strangely shaped iceberg or, or a digital remnant of some sort, but it 
does have a strange look to there it. There were some stories with Google Earth and Leviathans uh, capturing yeah. kind of the shadowy deals under the water. Uh, 2010, video by a Japanese research company, uh, just kind of showing local ocean life. So it ends with a large creature with small eyes and a large smiling slit-like mouth sort of slowly swimming by in the background. Photobomb. And then somewhere in the 2010s, there's a, an unknown user posted underwater footage of a large humanoid sea creature online. So, I mean, I would think something 60 to 90 feet long. Again, we might know about it, but then again, there are varieties of squid bigger than that that we've never seen. No, yeah. Now, this one becomes a little more folkloric in the fact that there are stories of, well, our favorite men in black clad agents. Oh, yes. Showing up to threaten witnesses to not talk about their encounters with the Ningen. So why, why would it be worth keeping a secret? <laughs> and we talk about sea monsters. We've talked about a variety of creatures today, both prehistoric and modern that could account for some of these things. People will try to discount sightings of sea monsters. And again, who knows what's out there in the wild, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing justice if I didn't wrap up a little bit and say, you know, there are things out there that people see. They might mistake for a sea monster, the giant oar fish. If you've ever seen one of those, it's very long, very serpentine. I think they get to be 10, 15 or something like that. 10, 15 feet long. Uh, takes a you know group of men to hold one. They're absolutely harmless. They're just a big, long, snaky-looking fish. Uh, vats of seaweed or kelp that have come dislodged from the ocean floor. You know, people see these, this thing out there. They don't know what it is. Then you have the whole gas bubbles and you know, stuff bubbles. from undersea. Um, I've seen where people have misidentified otters. I've actually seen a video to prove that like otters rolling around in the water following after one another could look like a series of humps, you know? But I would absolutely be remiss if I didn't talk about potentially the one thing that's seen more than anything else misidentified as a sea monster. If you're familiar with the surgeon photo of the Loch Ness Monster, you've got the little plesiosaur head coming up and like mm -hmm. poking out of the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice little arched neck there. Well, apparently when whales get randy, they like to roll over and expose themselves to the air. That's a French word for frisky. <laughs> and a, a apparently a whale's aroused a whale's penis will sort of have, flop over at the end. Have that little hook, and it will look just like the surgeon's photo. <laughs> and and this is not something I knew until recently. I'd seen this somewhere, and again talking about misidentified things at sea and, yeah. and what people might mistake for a sea monster. Well, I mean, if you're gonna tell a story to your friend Bill, do you want to say I saw a very happy creature <laughs> swimming upside down, or I saw the Loch Ness monster? Well, whether you saw the Loch Ness monster or you saw whale junk. <laughs> I mean, you saw something. You saw you a saw monster, something. right? Yeah, it was a monster. <laughs> By any accounts, it was a monster. So, you know, what What lurks out there? What What's really out there? How much of this ocean is explored? How much of it isn't? You know, there are constantly stories of submarine guys hearing what they call biologicals sure. on, on their sonar. You know, th when they're and, – and you can't always Unexplained. identify these things. You have the bloop sound out of the Pacific Ocean that sounded very biological, and most people agreed that for a long time, most people agreed it was probably a living creature of a scale we didn't understand even. They think today it might have been an iceberg, but, you know, you, you have the aggressive Humboldt squid. They live off the coast of uh, Mexico. And I mean, they will grab a diver and they, they are, are aggressive. And they are not, they are not as big as a person, but they will absolutely attack you. 
Well, and if you're swimming out at ocean, I mean, it doesn't even have to be as large as you to take you under. No. I mean, let's face it. And and a, and a shark can grab you in just, what, 12 inches of water, I think? Yep. So the things we know of are dangerous enough. The things we don't understand and we don't know, who, who knows what lurks out there? And we, we touched upon it. You know, there's a lot of this that's blown off and it's like, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. And just in the past few years, five years, we are discovering things like never, unpresented, uh, never before that we said didn't exist. Not only does it exist, it wasn't extinct when we thought it was. There's still fleshy, nasty, smelly things washing up on the shore. <laughs> you know, it's it's still semi-fresh. Well, we're going to wrap this one up, and yet we hope that you have enjoyed this dive into the deep on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thanks so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in, kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing, and thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.